Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Is there someone else? Johnny, come on, dude. Johnny. There's no one else, but I'm, I just know that what I have in front of me right now is not what I want. Okay. But Johnny, I asked you that question not to put you on the spot about anyone competing because it sounded like someone else has piqued your interest and you're trying to find a way to discredit your relationship. I just want to rule that out. Yeah. I'm comparing Bao to the ideal person that I thought I'd be married to, and I'm constantly comparing her to that. Let's talk about the latest episode of Married at First Sight. This was a, this was tough, tough stuff, you guys. (laughs) Let's just get Rachel and Jose out of the way because apparently there are a couple that's just completely uh, smooth sailing. So there's really not much to talk about. Um, Jose says that a week after their blow up where he told her to get the fuck out of the house everything's fine (laughs) everything's just peachy keen and everything's great jose says he's committed he's trying to do everything he can to make the marriage work since rachel's everything that he asked for in a woman so we see them they're like cooking breakfast and it was just like a, a strange conversation about how rachel doesn't really like to cook because she doesn't like to wait And so she doesn't want to have to cook breakfast. She doesn't want to have to wake up 30 minutes early to cook eggs on the skillet. And therefore she uses a microwave. I just have questions as to why, why is it taking you 30 minutes to cook eggs on a skillet, ma'am? 
ma'am, what's happening? Um, did I tell you guys that <laughs> on my birthday, um, my friends got me a cameo from Carl from Summer House. And it was everything that I could have possibly needed. But in that cameo, he mentioned how to cook the perfect hotel style eggs. And it really doesn't um, take that much time. I don't want to share the secrets because that's just a secret between me and my future husband. And that's not really not any of her business. That's like a private matter between a couple, you know, but I will say that eggs should not take 30 minutes and that's not an excuse to cook them in the microwave. No, ma'am. But also, like, I'm never really going to side with Jose. I have a card, like a quota, in which I'm going to only side with Jose maybe three times this whole season. And I think I've already done it once. Um, And I, you know, I only have two times left and there's a good chunk of the season left. So um, it's really just from, like, my own mental health is that, like, I just don't want to be the kind of person who would agree with him that much. You know what I mean? Um, so, and also like Jimmy Dean, I think makes these like cups of breakfast scrambles, like egg scrambles in which you do have to microwave the egg. And it's like pretty bomb. So like, I'm not really above a microwaved egg. I, you know, I take it back, Rachel. I don't know. Why I was being so harsh with you in the beginning. Um, anyway, I hope you accept my genuine apology. That was a real apology. Not the one that you made Jose give you, by the way. So they sit down. The breakfast actually looked good as hell. Um, Jose starts talking about, oh, this is like our first cooked breakfast in the apartment. And they're both getting off on, and they pretty much say as much, that this like first thing, like I'm having so many firsts in this relationship and things that we're doing together and experiences that we're having that I haven't had with anybody else ever. So it's like at some point, That's going to get old, you know? (laughs) Things are only new one time. And then are we going to be celebrating the third breakfast that you made in the apartment? Like, at some point, we're going to have to dig deep and not just, like, live in the revelry of all these firsts that we're having together. I get that it's exciting, and I understand that. But Rachel brought up a good point of, you know, later, like when this experiment is over, it's kind of going to be like starting fresh and having an entirely new relationship. And Jose is a lot more optimistic about this whole situation than Rachel is. And he shouldn't be. (laughs) He shouldn't be because I think half of their relationship is performance and half of their like performance is like selling the idea to the other couples to themselves to the experts that they are just like walking on sunshine that everything is great that like until it's not you know but like they're the biggest representatives and PR for their own relationship and once those cameras go away once the experts are gone Rachel's actually absolutely right like this is going to be very different very different and we're going to be out here by ourselves and those first those jar of firsts are going to dwindle down pretty quickly and then what do we have what do we have Rachel's still on this kick they're doing this little push pill pull of Rachel's love of travel and Jose's love of not spending money so 
she mentions, you know, another first that I would really like to do is the one that I keep mentioning to you is to go to Europe with you because I've never been to Europe with a partner. It's only been with my friends or my mom. And I just think that would be a really great first for us. And Jose's response is, well, I think another great first is if we just take a road trip throughout Texas. There are so many different types of landscapes and hills and you go up the hill and go down the hill. San Antonio, ever heard of it? I've lived there before. We can do that. <laughs> he doesn't even, he's not even committing to like a cross-country road trip or even a road trip out of the state. He just wants to go. And I understand that Texas is a big state, but she just told you she wanted to go to Europe and you're trying to ask her to go to the Alamo. And I think she's going to have to say no to that. I don't think she's interested. She's trying to go to Paris, France, not Paris, Texas. Ooh, this is bad, you guys. I mean, it's not like bad. This is not like a real problem. Like it's going to be a real problem because it's Rachel and Jose and we've seen how these things have um, escalated out of control. But like, Jose's got to give this up. He's got to give this up. As a side note, does Jose seem like a Disney adult to you? I'm just going to put that out there and just tell me what you think. So back to this conversation about how, like, what is going to happen after the experiment. Rachel is like, you know, I kind of feel like we're going to have to start over again. Jose says, I think it's going to be like this new enhanced level. And then Rachel says, but do you realize that things are going to be a lot more, a lot more different for me than they are for you? Like, you're at the end of the experiment going back to your home. But then I'm not going to be going back to the home that I've been in. And also, Rachel introduces us to a new alter ego, which is like hot girl summer Rachel. So Rachel works in the education system, which means that she has summers off. She uses that to be like sexy, single, fun and flirty and fancy and free. She's out here in these streets, you know, having a blast. No man bringing her down. So she says... Basically, is a little bit of a threat. It had shades of, of threat um, to it that she says that basically like, well, I hope that you're able to be everything that I need you to be because usually I'm single during the summer and I'm free. And this summer is going to be the first one that I'm married and I'm just going to be sitting at your house and not going to have anything to do and you know, I just think that maybe you should brace yourself because I'm going to probably be in a really bad mood sometimes. And, you know, you're going to catch me at the wrong time. You're not going to like it. You're actually going to hate it. I'm going to be a bitch to you. It's going to be bad. Just warning you already. And Jose is looking at her like, okay. <laughs> so we're already deciding that this is going to be a bad thing. Okay. Um, in a confessional, Jose says that he's a little bit concerned because Rachel has, quote, shown signs of leaving when things get tough. Now, if you're referring to that time where you locked her ass out of the apartment, I have some questions, sir. Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> God, I would really hate to accidentally on purpose lock that deadbolt again because she really likes to leave and I like to secure my property. <laughs> okay, sir. 
he's talking about, I mean, really what he's talking about is the time that she cheated on not him, somebody else, like a decade ago. This is all that it's coming back to. And, you know, he says that he's got a little bit of a trust issue with her because of her, quote, leaving. I mean, (laughs) she only wanted to leave after you locked her out, sir. Do we all... Do we not understand how all roads lead to you leaving your wife with no place to go at one o'clock in the morning? No phone, no purse, no car keys, banging on other people's apartments to try and figure out what the hell's going on. Okay. But you're the one with the trust issues. Okay. He also says that like, he's just wondering if Rachel's going to stay in the marriage if things don't go her way because he'll be crushed if that happens. And yeah. yeah like you were really crushed last time anyway um let's go to i guess mirla and gil they're kind of our second prestige couple not much going on um gil and mirla are getting ready they're hanging out in the kitchen gil mentions to mirla that his lease is actually up at his apartment in three weeks time and he's decided not to renew so he's done the due diligence of looking at a couple apartments for them He starts talking about how, like, one's about 1,000 square feet, one's 1,100 square feet. Later, Mirla mentions that it's got all these, like, amenities to it, like a a gym that has, uh, I can't remember what those, what that company's called, but it's got those, like, workout mirrors where you can do workouts with somebody. They'll, like, telecast through the mirror, and it sounds really nice. So... Then he immediately starts to complain about how he doesn't like really high-rises or mid-rises, mid-rise apartments. He doesn't like the parking garage that goes around and around and around. He doesn't want a concierge. He doesn't want a doorman. It's too bougie, et cetera, et cetera. So many complaints about all the things that he does not want. Remember the thing that he always talks about Mirla doing is complaining and saying that things aren't good enough for her? Wow, how weird that he's now doing that. Anyway, um, he asks Mirla what she likes in an apartment. And she says, well, I just really like new places. Oh, God, here we go. Here goes Gil train. Uh, the complaint train is toot, toot, beep, beep, rolling in. And here go hell come about how Mirla likes you only like new stuff, don't you? Oh, Lord, you're so bougie. You're such a princess. I call you my princess. Like, okay, Gil. In a confessional, Gil says that he's afraid that because she likes new things. It, also in this conversation, she mentioned wanting a new phone because she had had her current phone for two years. And he's like, well, what? You can still text on it? Can you still make phone calls? What do you need another phone for? Because her ass pays the bill, sir. And if she wants to get a new phone after two years, like 98% of America does, then let her do it. It's fine. It's okay. All right? Um, Hype can get all the treats he wants. It's not cutting into his treat budget. We're going to be all right. So, um, whatever. He He takes this whole thing of like, she likes new stuff and centers it on himself and says, I'm just afraid that once I stop being new, that she's going to get tired of me. Because she wants a new, I mean, you got to, I mean, if you're going to be basing it on that, at least you got two years before she gets tired. (laughs) 
she's going to keep you around at least as long as the phone. That's two years. That's not, you know, not an insignificant amount of time, Gail. And given how much you roast the hell out of her, and I was having a conversation with this with my girls the other day, I feel like, you know, y'all know that I'm like fully team Mirla now. And I feel also that, you know, Mirla's only taking these little jokes that Gil makes and these little side comments in stride because she's feeling him. But let us all consider the fact that like, if this was not Mirla and we weren't led to, as an audience led to believe that Mirla was like this like bad and bougie, annoying wench, right? If this was somebody, if Gil had been married to somebody else, somebody that the audience found more likable in the beginning, they would not be, handling his little jokes and his little comments as well as they do. They only do this because people weren't fucking with Mirla in the beginning. And I think that there's a lot to Gil that is positive. And by that, I mean his like de facto uh, clear position as (laughs) the um, fourth expert on the show this season. But like, other than that, I just think that we shouldn't stop giving Gil this much credit. Thank you. So later Mirla has a FaceTime with her friend, Alicia, She sees her friend and immediately is like, girl, where are your eyelashes? Where are they? (laughs) Mirla would hate me. I don't get my eyelashes done, girl. You're just going to have to take these, these little, this little half inch of natural hair that I've got. I can't do it with the three inches of, of, uh, moose hair or mink, mink or whatever the hell. I, sorry. And it's no shade to anybody who does, but like, you're not about to be roasting me. Okay. I don't know why I'm taking this so personally. I don't even know Mirla. Anyway, um, She's FaceTiming with her friend Alicia. Alicia asks, clearly a producer asked question. Hey friend, what does it feel like to be living with such a frugal person? <laughs> and Mila's like, well, it's good because Gil's frugal in the right ways and he doesn't care in other ways. And I'm thinking, girl, <laughs> wait till you see some of these confessionals he had in the first seven episodes of the season. You might want to change your mind on that one. Um, Alicia then asks if... She feels like changing her spending habits. Like, why would these be questions that her friend would ask her? You know the answer, girl. Alicia. Come on. So anyway, Alicia, Alicia, quote unquote, asks Mirla if she feels like changing her spending habits. And Mirla's like, no, not, not even a little bit. Next question. So then she starts to talk about how, like, the new apartment is, you know, like I... Alicia asked, do you trust him with picking the new apartment? She's like, yeah, actually I do. Because like the way he was describing it, it had all the bells and whistles and blah, blah, blah. And like, low key, Gil, here's the thing. Much like Gil is fighting this like bougie shit, he's going to fall into it exactly the way Mirla is falling into her love with hype. Which, so she's talking about this apartment. she, She gets distracted. She's like, oh my God, hype. Oh, no, he's slobbering. Oh, and the slobber's getting on the floor. Oh, he's got this whole string from his mouth to the floor. I got to get a paper towel. Oh, God. (laughs) She's like fake, fake disgusted because we know she loves this dog. Um, But anyway, she tells her friend, like, because Alicia asks, well, what about his head? Like, remember, because you said that you didn't want to be married to a bald person. And Mirla has to admit, like, hey, if I was sitting here and thinking about what I didn't have or what I was expecting, I would just be in this downward spiral of endlessness. But listen, 
I'm focusing on the positive and I'm learning through that, that Gail is more than what I wanted or even expected. And I don't even, it wasn't even on my list or I didn't even consider the fact that I wanted somebody who was patient with me, but Gail has now shown me through his patience that that actually is something that I needed and really appreciate. And she feels really good. Alicia's like, what are you thinking is going to happen if you guys have a real argument? She's like, I just think that we're going to communicate. And then Mirla brings up, <laughs> you know, the like kind of bad thing is that uh, Gil is very social and that he likes to <laughs> go to people's houses. And that is not what Mirla wants to do. <laughs> so Gil had brought up to her the other day that his friend had just bought a house and he wanted to go visit the friend. And Mirla was like, cool. So we should visit him at like a bar or a restaurant or something. And Gil's like, no, he just bought a house. So the point of me hanging out with him would be to go to that house. And she's like, I just don't really like that. It's just not really my vibe. And Alicia's like, well, you need to watch that and like kind of watch how you might come off to his friends. Cause you don't want to be like a, you don't want them to think that you're a bitch. And Mirla's like, oh, I don't really care. I don't, you know, like, I'll say hi and, you know, like, whatever. I don't really care if they don't like me. Like, you know, <laughs> and Alicia's like, okay, but you're not the girlfriend. You're his wife. Like, you might want to try. And she's like, nah. <laughs> so later, Gil has lunch with his friend, Christian, who, do you guys remember Married at First Sight? Was it Dallas? The guy whose name was Tristan Thompson, and he was matched with that lady who ended up getting, like, caught at um, the airport because she had some, like, outstanding, like, charges from stalking. What was her name? It doesn't matter. But you guys remember Tristan. I thought that was him. When he said Christian, I was like, oh, my God, is that Tristan from Maths Dallas? Oh, he looked like him, too, right? Anyway, um, so he has friends with, he has lunch with his friend Christian, Christian asks if there are any like red flags, blue flags, yellow flags, one fish, two fish flags, whatever. And Gil says, you know, Mila's bougie and she's like a typical girly girl who makes bank. Therefore, she can afford all this stuff. Yeah. Remember that, Gil. She makes bank and therefore she can afford the things that she wants. Thank you. Um... So then he says that his biggest thing with Mirla is that she like tends to pout if things don't go her way. And the biggest red flag was her saying that she has no intention of changing her lifestyle, which he feels is selfish. I just want him to like explain to us why explain to us what that, what is it behavior that you feel is unacceptable? And what do you think that is going to how do you think that's going to translate into your relationship in a negative way? Like, really think about what that means. Is it selfish that she's not doing something that, like, isn't going to affect your bottom line and you're choosing to make it affect it? Or is it, like, it just seems like you, Gil thinks it is selfish because he wants her to do something and she's not doing it. You know? It's really giving, like, I want Mirla to dim her light a little bit and give us on an even playing field so it's not so, like, obvious how much she out-earns me. And that's, like, not her problem, you know? <laughs> then Christian asks if they've consummated the marriage, and of course not. But he says, 
Well, she's very affectionate at this point. I have no complaints. I'm not concerned about it. We are not worried about that. There's no rush. There's no doubt in my mind that it's going to happen. We're good. So then Gil reveals that at first, she didn't want anything to do with hype. And then we see this whole montage of, you know, how she said that she didn't want to walk him. He better find a walker for him when he's working those 24-hour shifts. And then we see her going out time and time and time again to take hype for a walk, take him to go potty. She's giving him little scraps of her food. And then Gil says that she actually told him that she wants him to find her a dog. See? So I feel like as much as he's been saying, oh, I don't really like the bougie stuff. And yet he found this like balling out of control apartment with all the bells and whistles. And I feel like he's going to find himself very comfortable with the lifestyle that he's about to grow accustomed to. And, you know, same with her. She she was fighting that dog. And now look, she's sharing salads with him. God bless. Let's get into another couple we can get through real quickly with Michaela and Zach. Honestly, I kind of forgot about them a little bit (laughs) till I saw them at the bottom of my nose. So they do, they go in an activity just to do those like human bubble things that you do like American gladiators, just like run at each other and see who can knock the other one over kind of thing. Um, Fun. (laughs) Um, So the first round, I thought this was such a, Everything, every scene, I was feeling like, oh, this is such, like, so indicative of who these people are and who these people are in their relationship because they're playing and Zach is acting like, oh, you know, I, I just, I don't want to go so tough on you and I just feel like I'm going to hurt you, blah, blah, blah. So as soon as they go to the first round, Zach yells at Michaela to not go too hard and then he immediately knocks her ass over. (laughs) Typical, right? And then Michaela in a confessional says that she looked up techniques online beforehand and they basically told her to be as erratic as possible. So she went for that, but it didn't work. Also, very typical. Um, So they sit down. Michaela asks, what has been your happiest day in this marriage so far? And he's like, "Uh, I don't really have an answer right now. Uh, Why don't you go first? So (laughs) she says her happiest day was when he surprised her um, and they moved into their apartment together. And then he says his answer, you guys, (laughs) that his happiest moment with her was at the wedding day during the reception when he busted out a choreographed dance with the groomsmen for her. And she was so shocked that she started crying. Now you're saying the best moment of your entire marriage was 20 minutes in when you did a performance and she liked it. I think we should all sit with that. Um, Also, am I upset or completely relieved that we never got to see that footage? And I'm dying to know what song he, because you know they can't play the real songs. What song did he pick? Oh, God, just chills up my spine. Anyway, um, Zach immediately says, I don't know how we're going to get back to that. (laughs) So the happiest day, the happiest moment was 30 minutes into our marriage and I don't know how we're ever going to get back to that joy the joy of when we did not know each other and we're just riding high off of being attracted to each other 
Wow. 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 Um, so Michaela then meets up with her sister. She says that things were all sunshine and butterflies in the beginning until they hit a downturn. If that's what you want to call it. And she's basically learned a lot through this relationship that she's learned to stop doing things in order to protect herself and also to give grace to Zach instead of like pushing him in the moment. So instead of being like, we need to resolve this now, she's learning that he needs more time and that she'll be ready when he's there and how much that has improved things for them. In a confessional, Michaela's sister says that she has, Michaela has a tendency to bottle things up and explode. And even she has seen improvements throughout this whole time with Michaela's behavior. Um, Then Michaela admits that to her sister that she's in love with Zach. Now, remember these were two people that both said that they had never been in love with each other or with anyone. Michaela says that it was more an opportunity thing that she could have been in love with two people, but then they broke up because one moved away or, you know, just like things came up, not a blow up in their relationship, just circumstances. But Zach says that he's just never even come close to that feeling. So, whew, okay. Um, I feel like this is not going to go well. Not, not really. Later, we see Michaela and Zach do these things that Zach said that he was fucking hyped to do. This is the stuff that he wanted to do with his wife. Are you guys ready? Scrapbooking. So they bust out a scrapbook and he's acting like he doesn't know how to like, oh, I don't know how to arrange this. And oh, stickers. Oh, you were, you women are so prepared. Like, okay. And then he, he does the very first page, all decorated boots. Okay. Okay. Good acting, Zach. Um, then they decide, well, excuse me, Zach decides for them to do a poem challenge where they were supposed to write acrostic. Are those acrostic? That's what they're called. Where you write your name down and then you do like K kind a awesome right i think that's an acrostic truly the worst kind of poem other than like slam poetry acrostics are probably the worst like acrostics to me are they're not bad like they're really cute if your child is doing them for mother's day or father's day or whatever after the age of after elementary school i think we can let those poems go you know i they're for a time and we have to let that time go. You can pick a backup after you sign up for AARP. You know, like if you're, if your grandma, your mima, your nana does it, like, and she puts it on the wall and it's in like crochet, you know what I mean? Like we've all got one of those nanas or we've all seen one, it, you know, t- let it go at age 10 and pick it up at 72. Those are the rules. Anyway, um, that was it. Oh, Zach mentioned love in the poem. And I know I just said that's not going to go well because Michaela loving him is not going to go well. And I stand by that. Even though he did mention the L word in his acrostic, I still feel like that's going to come back to bite her on the ass. He's going to be like, oh, I meant love. Like, I just love, you know, that poem. I was talking about loving the poem. I was talking about loving how to scrapbooking and stuff. Not you. Because like... You literally just said earlier at the human bubble game that you didn't know if you're ever going to be able to get back to the happiness that you had when you first met each other. So I don't think he can love you now. I just feel like it's been a short turnaround. Anyway. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Really struggling in this moment, whether to go to Brett and Ryan or Johnny and Bao in this moment. And honestly, I think I'm going to go with Johnny and Bao. Usually I like to go from like the least exciting couples to the most exciting and even though I think Johnny and Bao still edged out Brett and Ryan this season or this episode, I'm so annoyed and done with Johnny that I just want to get this over with. So let's talk about it. So we see them cooking zucchini noodle bolognese and y'all know that shit's about to go down. I immediately, my body tenses up. Like I'm starting to have food related trauma because of Johnny. <laughs> every time, every time you guys. Every time, like, what is it with the food and the just bubbling? Oh, it's on every time. And like, when I said that initially, I was like half joking, but you guys see it now. It's a fucking pattern. It's weird. Anyway. So surprise, surprise, Johnny says that he's feeling 50-50 because he's been seeing some untruths with Bao. So he's hoping that this week they can just focus on their relationship okay so johnny asks bao what things she likes doing and bao mentions like chores and then she like takes a turn and she shifts into the freaky and says that she has like a very special chore that she likes to do in the bedroom and that little tool is in a drawer and you know maybe she would like to do that chore with johnny someday if he's interested she didn't want to be presumptuous and johnny says yeah bring bring it by so bow in a confessional says she's really not used to flirting and like having to do this much work to woo her partner but johnny says he likes it so she's trying and she hopes that she can get some recognition for this at some point (sighs) sorry to tell you this bow (laughs) it's not gonna go your way so then johnny starts to play a game just like another way to you know like in his mind, he's thinking, oh, we're having a perfectly pleasant conversation. Let me play mind games on her so I can find a way to tell her that she's horrible. So he proposes a game called Truth or Sip, where you either answer a question or you take a drink. Bao gets to go first, and she asks Johnny what his decision would be if it was decision day. And he's like, I'm going to take a sip to that. And Bao says... Well, I would say yes, because I made the decision when I started this experiment to change things about me, and I made the decision to not quit, and I just want to make sure that I'm doing this the right way, so 
regardless of what happens, I'm going to come out of this with no regrets. In a confessional, Johnny says that saying no on decision day for him would feel like a failure, but there have been so many highs and lows, all induced by you, all the lows, and he's still trying to figure out if he loves Bao. You don't. You don't. So they cheers to saying yes on decision day, and then Johnny leans in and whispers, I'm trying. Are you? (laughs) The way I would have mushed him on his forehead and been like, sir. Okay. So then they sit down for dinner. Johnny has to make this big show of, oh, let me taste the food. See if I like it. Oh, yeah, this is good. Hmm, well, full, full, super full. Now it's time to for dessert and for me to feed off of Bao's insecurities. The only thing that really seems to truly sustain Johnny. So Johnny starts asking... If Bao has actually truly committed to this marriage, she says, yes. He says, really? She says, yeah. She says, how much would you say would you put into this? She's like, 100%. Huh, really? Yeah, Johnny. Yeah. And so then Johnny starts off by saying, well, if you're saying that you're giving 100% by your standards, then I'm probably giving 150% because I'm planning dates, being flirty, giving us opportunities to be flirty, date nights, gifts, all other stuff. That's literally what he said. Let me repeat this. He's giving 150% because he's planning dates, being flirty, giving opportunities to be flirty, date nights, gifts, and all sorts of other stuff. Planning dates and date nights are one thing, Being flirty and giving opportunities to be flirty is another thing. Also, being flirty is not you making an effort. Why is he so fucking horny for this, like, building up of tension, the push-pull, the will-they-won't-they? Why does he need that so badly? It's weird. It's weird. (laughs) And really, if that thing, if that is what you're looking for, you're never going to find it because you're never going to allow an opportunity for it to happen because every time she communicates something with you or she looks at you or she touches you, you're grading this on a scale of is it flirty or nah, and it's never going to work. Ew, it's so immature. Grow up. Has anybody ever like maybe casually relayed to Johnny at some point that not every interaction that you have with somebody is a test. (laughs) Because if you're always testing people, they're always going to (sighs) fail. I can't. How did I get this so wrong? How did he come off so good in the beginning? And now we have this trash, trash, poop, Poop trash. A trash bag full of poop. Ugh. Bao says that she feels like she's not getting any credit. And then Johnny sits back in his chair and is like, basically like, Bao, show me the receipts. (laughs) So Bao says, listen, I might not be doing this grand gesture stuff, but I'm showing up on the day-to-day stuff. And Johnny's reaction is like, oh, so you're saying that I'm not doing enough? Is that what you mean? (laughs) 
So Bao says that she's consistently thinking about him. She's doing things like these acts of service. She'll fold his, fold his clothes. And he immediately minimizes that. We're like, well, you don't have to do that. See, if, if the goalposts move every single time and it's like, okay, well, you don't do enough for me. I do do these things. Okay, well, you don't have to do those things and they don't matter. Then Johnny has the audacity to bring up Bao not taking the initiative like on things like waking him up if she wants to go to work on a run in the morning because they did it one time before and it was fun or doing yoga together and Bao is like okay well like realistically how much free time do we really have and johnny's like well we have plenty and you fill the time but with busying yourself with things without me <laughs> his face is red his veins are practically bulging out of the side of his head about how she's not initiating and and in a confessional Bao's like I have no idea. Like, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's my husband. And you could tell at this point, she is just like over it. We have not seen somebody this over it. Cause it damn sure wasn't happening with Paige. Try, try again, Paige, um, Mindy, Mindy and Zach, where she was just like, I, I, I got nothing. I don't know how to explain away this answer. We're talking in this confessional now, weeks or months after the fact. I still don't have an answer for y'all. I don't know. I'm just here so I won't get fined. I will answer your questions. But I am just as much as in the dark as you guys. I don't know. I don't know this man. He's my husband. But that's it. So back at the table, Bao is like, okay, can you at least give me credit for the things that I do? instead of like complain and Johnny puts his head in his hands and he's like, Oh my God. And then he gets up and he walks into another room. So production has bow stand up from the table. I guess your meal's over. Um, and you know, we'll just do the side interview in the kitchen. You could just run through what just happened. Right. So bow says that she wants Johnny to be less negative. But as she's starting to talk and go into her spiel, you can hear Johnny from the other room just like, ugh, just like yelling, beep, 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 cursing, cursing, cursing up a storm. Bao's looking like, what the hell's going on? So Johnny comes out of the room and y'all, did you guys notice it immediately? Bao like folded into herself. She crossed her arms and she was in this protective mode because you, you could tell she was freaked out by his outburst. So Johnny like leans up against the wall as if he like cannot take the weight of all of this that is happening and coming down on him. And when Bao asks him what's wrong, Johnny whispers, it really hurts me when we have disagreements like this because I think we're not compatible. Do you think the conversation we just had was compatible? Uh, no, because one of us stayed and wanted to have a conversation and the other one was screaming from the other side of a door. So no, I would say that no, that wasn't a compatible conversation because one of us was an adult and the other one was a bitch baby. But Bao says this isn't really a conversation about like whether or not we're compatible because that's like really far to base it on one conversation. We're having a disagreement because we're still trying to figure each other out. So then she has to like talk him off the ledge a little bit. And he says that he just needs to think for a bit and then he leaves the apartment. 
Bao says, in a weird way, I kind of feel like I have to be the stronger one, and I don't mind that, but I just don't think that Johnny appreciates the effort that I put in. So then we see them filming themselves, self-filming the next day, and Bao says, well, guess who didn't spend the night last night? (laughs) She's pissed. She's done. Done, 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 done. Johnny's back in his bed saying some shit about wanting to take a break so they'd stop saying hurtful things to each other so you would stop being a dick, but okay. Or really, so she would stop telling the truth on you in camera and you're not going to, you know, you didn't want your veins to explode because of the weight of your own responsibility. That's why you needed to take a break. She wasn't saying anything hurtful to you. (laughs) I'm going to be like... In a duel, you're the only one with a gun with a bullet. And then you say like, oh, let's take a break because I think both of us were shooting. She's the only one bleeding with the bullet wounds just gaping open in her body. But anyway, um, Bao says it perfectly when she says, Johnny says that he's giving it 100%, but I'm the one who's still here while he ducks and runs. So they were supposed to go to a family barbecue. Johnny's family barbecue because it's his uncle, I think, Frank's birthday. And... Bao sitting there in the apartment alone, trying to memorize the names of all of his family members in Mandarin. And she says that her plan is to go there, put a smile on her face. Hopefully, maybe she can talk to the family members and get some insight from them. So then we see we're at Uncle Frank and Allison's house. Everybody's cracking open the crawfish. Um, Everybody's having a good time. Johnny's filming. Somebody says... Hey, um, is Bao coming? Is she going to come here later? Cut to Bao saying that Johnny called her to disinvite her and she's pissed because we're married. And, you know, if we were in a real marriage where you weren't a bitch, um, we would be, you know, in a typical marriage, you guys fight and you show up. You go to that event and you're there because you're there as a unit And you tough it out and you smile your way through it. And then you work it out because you guys are married. And Johnny tells his family that she asked that he asked her for more effort to build up the romance and how she does things like his laundry and keeping the fridge stocked. And Johnny says that he wants this high school style romance back. And thank you, Uncle Frank, for saying, well, you're not in high school anymore. Hate to tell you that. (laughs) And then his Aunt Allison is like, you know, you guys are never going to agree on the same things, but you need to, you need to at least sit back and see somebody else's viewpoint. They already know him. They know what he's doing. They know the fuckery that he's up to. She knew. She knew. In seeing him saying he wants the romance, high school style romance back, and that she... He asked her for more effort. Her first response is, you might need to see how other people view things. Because she knew. Mm. Johnny tells them that he's at the point where if things don't change, then he's not interested. Okay. Threat of a lifetime. So they ask, well, where is Bao? Like, what do you think she's up to right now? And he tries to be like, oh, well, she's probably in bed texting. (laughs) Okay. So turns out what Bao was doing was meal prepping for them for the week. And she's making all these beautiful, gorgeous plates of like pasta, like 
genuinely really good. And she says, you know, Johnny probably won't even appreciate since apparently this is just baseline effort, according to him. I don't know where Johnny's head's right now, but it's not in the marriage. Period. So then Johnny has this like a one-on-one sit-down chat with his Aunt Allison. And he says some bullshit about expectations. And Allison tells him, you don't need to have expectations because your relationship is going to turn out a lot better if it doesn't. So Johnny's response is that he has high expectations for his wife and that Bao is not meeting them. And then he goes on to say, I don't like the way she thinks. I don't like how she communicates. What Bao is he getting? Because every Bao that we see, it has a master, like a, doctorate level understanding of communicating, uh, trying to work out relationship differences, trying to meet you at a level that is actually way above your pay grade, Johnny, and giving you way more maturity than you deserve, frankly, (laughs) more than most people, definitely more than you deserve, and go above and beyond to try and be the mature one for both of y'all and stay in this relationship. But you don't like the way she thinks and how she communicates. Now, it's the thinking that she wants to stay in the relationship and it's the communication that she wants to be in this relationship and be married to you. Because that's the thing that you seem to not like. He he says that he wants somebody whose personality is more compatible. But the more he knows about Bao, the less he likes about her. And I had this conversation with Lindsay last week about how clearly Johnny doesn't like to be called out for anything. He doesn't like to be critiqued. He doesn't like to be criticized. And the minute somebody does that, it turns into like them being a bad person and him pulling away from them. Right. Ugh. He he drives me crazy. The less he likes about the things that he doesn't like about her is that he knows that he's not going to be able to hide with her. He knows that he's not going to be able to pull any wool over her eyes, that he's not going to be playing his little games because she sees right through him. He knows this. He knows this. And that's why he doesn't like her. So Allison was like, well, I was at the wedding from day one. It looked like a perfect match. And listen, romance isn't the end all be all in a relationship. And then Johnny says, well, you know, I've been single this whole time because I didn't want to settle. And I just like can't see Bao as my life kill me so finally finally somebody (laughs) gets a hold of pastor cal and is like sir while you're in line for like burger king or whatever can you just pull off on the side of the road you can eat some fries while they talk we won't film you just sit in your phone just sit in your car and talk to this couple because they are on the brim right so pastor cal asks johnny like what's going on and Johnny's like well I'm just sad because and then he just stops talking (laughs) so then he says Johnny says that he's sad because he feels like he's married to somebody that's not right for him and then he really starts talking and he says you know he didn't want to invite Bao to the family barbecue because he didn't want his family to get attached to Bao and for Bao to get attached to her to them if he doesn't even like her and Bao looking is looks down at him like, bitch, are you serious? Like, are you for real right now? <laughs> so Patrick Al says, okay, um, I guess we're getting somewhere now. Uh, why don't you like her? <laughs> and then Johnny says that she's not genuine. And Bao is like, what do you mean? What part of me is not genuine? Because I need to know. 
So Johnny says that Bao is just presenting a certain version of herself to whoever they're with. And sometimes it involves saying things that he feels are not true. The example being that she lied to the cast members about her meal prep and her baking and her cooking and her gourmet meals. So Bao's looking at him and is like, but I do do that. And Johnny says, no, well, we cook those gourmet meals together. Now, this is giving like Jose revealing that Rachel actually said Johnny's name and instead of just some like mysterious man or an ex-boyfriend. You're pissed at her because she's she, according to you, lied about making gourmet meals on the technicality that she does not do them on her own, that this is a joint effort. That's that. Come on. Come on. He goes on to say that Bao's always giving excuses for why she hasn't done anything. And he feels like all he's asking for her is to do anything, anything at all. See, I, unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. So Pastor Cal asks Johnny, are you telling me the truth about whether or not Bao has done these things? And he's like, well, we did them together. And then Bao says, I just feel like every time he says that I don't do something, I have to specifically remind him and list those things back so I get any sort of credit for them at all. And then Johnny's like, well, she's just trying to take credit for things that are just like, like whatever. (laughs) And so Pastor Cal says, I'm going to be straight, Johnny. I don't think you're being fair. I kind of feel like you're saying that she's making excuses, but I hear you making excuses and you're trying to find a a way to discredit your relationship. So, are you sorry that you signed up for this process? Johnny says no. And Pastor Cal says, well, is there somebody else that you might have an affinity for outside of Bao? And then Johnny hesitates. And Bao says, huh, I never asked that question, but I always kind of assumed that there wasn't somebody else. But Johnny continues to be silent. And then Pastor Cal's like, I'm going to tell you why I'm asking this, Johnny. In all my years of counseling people, I can tell when somebody's attention's divided. I can tell when somebody's trying to sort of sabotage the situation. So, like, I need you to be honest with me. Is that the case? <laughs> and so Johnny says, what I know is that there have been points in this where I felt like I've literally wanted to be matched with anybody else. And so Patrick Callan Bauer, like, okay, well, that's mean as fuck. <laughs> And completely unnecessary. And Bao says, also, you're not answering the question. Is there somebody else, Johnny? Is there? So Pastor Cal's like, Johnny, come on, dude. <laughs> like, can you answer the question without complaining about Bao first? And Johnny's like, well, no, there's no one else. But like, I just know what I have in front of me right now is not what I want. That isn't the answer. Yes or no, you dumbass. Pastor, like, he cannot help, he, she, he cannot answer a question. He takes no responsibility. All roads lead back to him being unhappy with her. Yes, but, no, but, I don't like her. It, well, maybe, but, like, I just can't imagine being married to her again. Well, I don't know, but, like, we're not a match. Like, she's not honest. Okay. Ooh, kill me. Kill me. Kill me. <laughs> so. So Pastor Cal says, okay, I just wanted to rule out the possibility of there being somebody else. 
Johnny says that in his mind, what's happening is that he keeps comparing Bao to the ideal person that he thought he was going to be matched with. And Pastor Cal says, okay, well, that is a form of sabotage. Uh, let go of that person because that person doesn't exist. Have a funeral for her. Okay. Do whatever you got to do. It's over. Okay. You, you're looking for the perfect woman. We've matched you with somebody who is perfectly imperfect for you. She's sitting here, listen to all, listening to all that you're giving her right now. And she's taking it. She, that's who she is. She's strong. She's confident. And she doesn't quit easily. That's what you need. And she'll be an incredible wife for you. But if you don't want her to be, then nobody's going to be an incredible wife for you. <laughs> so that starts getting emotional. And she's just like, thank you for saying that. Like, I really appreciate it. And then Pastor Cal says to Johnny, like, you need to tell me that you're going to push through these emotions that you're having and give this a shot. And you also need to look Bao in the eye and say that to her face, which he does. So Johnny claims that he's going to try and find the beauty in this relationship and to not run away. We'll see. So later they're getting ready for bed and things are still funky. And she's like, you know, I kind of wanted to talk to you, but like, I don't want to push you if you're not ready for it. And Johnny's like, no, we can go to bed and I'll, we'll talk about it. Right. So then he, God, <laughs> getting frustrated all over again. So Johnny's form of talking it out was basically blaming her by saying that he didn't want to talk to Pastor Cal and that he didn't want to have this conversation at his barbecue because they needed to have a one-on-one conversation first because he said some things that were, quote, raw, and he felt bad about it. So what you're basically saying is that, like, I wanted to be able to manipulate you into thinking that things were okay before we came to my family because I didn't want them to think that anything I didn't want you telling on me and before we went out to Pastor Cal because I didn't want you telling on me okay so then he goes on to say that like excuse me Bao says that they had like a real conversation right and she feels like they had this conversation with Pastor Cal and she felt like it was super unfair. She's like, why am I being told that I'm this like two-faced crazy person because I don't feel like I am and I feel like I've been as honest with you as I possibly can and I feel like your characterization of me is really unkind and unfair. And so in a confessional, Bao says, I feel like I've exhibited a lot of patience, much more than most women at this point. Somebody has to be the adult here and I know that marriage would have its ups and downs My parents have been married 50 plus years. I've seen it, but it's another thing to live it. Johnny says that the one thing that pushed him over the edge was that they, in his mind, have two different recollections of things that have been going on. Agreed. But that his version of the truth is him crying out for help of what he needs. And that her version of the truth is that she's doing everything And that she's not the one being appreciated. Well, maybe that should make you think then. Maybe that should make you think, like Ann Allison said, sit back and look through somebody else's viewpoint for once. Bao says that she is not shied away from the things that 
Johnny's brought up, especially about her not being affectionate. Like basically every critique that you've brought about me, everything that you've asked me to do, I've done it. And I didn't get upset and I didn't shy away from it. And I leaned into those things and I heard you and I executed it. So then Johnny says that he really does appreciate things that she does. Like, you know, if she's outside of the apartment and she'll like text him and, and that she'll do meal prep and stuff. I guess finally she's getting credit for that. And this is apparently their like resolution to that bullshit that Johnny pulled again. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, y'all, let's end with Brett and Ryan. So we start off with them separately. Ryan goes to work out with Zach while Brett has drinks with her friend, Deborah. So Brett mentions watching, you know, for their anniversary, she and Ryan watched the wedding videos, but, you know, she thinks that she was looking back with very different feelings about the situation than Ryan was, that she was looking back like very sentimentally, but she thinks that it didn't resonate with Ryan the same way. And she's starting to understand that something's off <laughs> and and it's not looking good for them. And on top of that, she's dealing with the death of her dog Baxter and just everything has been like a really hard process. The so says she feels like Ryan is having so many doubts that it's affecting them now. And that while she had doubts initially, those really quickly were things that she was able to get over. Then in confessional, Brett says, she craves an emotional connection. So the fact that Ryan's pulling away is actually like the worst feeling. And the only reason why she's still trying at this point is because she knows that if things are good, it'll end up being worth it. And I, oh, sweetie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Brett says, you know, I think that we, me and Brian kind of communicate the same way in that, like, we don't really like to dig deep and, admit those things and be honest, but you know, they need to have these talks and she thinks that she can do it, but Ryan can't. So Deborah encourages her to talk and Brett says, I just feel like my hope is waning. <laughs> Truthfully. So over with Ryan and Zach, Zach is finally showing up, not for his wife, but certainly for Ryan. Um, Zach, they're like pumping iron and Zach asks how things are going and, Ryan says that he wanted this beautiful marriage with Brett, but it's just not working. And Zach's like, well, I talked to Pastor Cal not too long ago, and 
he kind of told me that I had like a defeatist attitude and it was affecting like my outlook on the marriage. And Ryan, do you think that that might be happening with you? (laughs) And Ryan's like, well, no, I don't think so. So Zach says, he asks how Brett's feeling and Ryan says, well, she has to know. Like she has to know what I'm doing. But Zach's like, okay, well, but does she know? Because you have to be really direct and you don't want her thinking that things are okay when they're not. And then he says, we're real people in a real relationship and it's best that you tell her. Listen, listen to him. Now, Zach doesn't execute well, but his intentions, that was good advice. I'll give it to you on that one. So later, Brett plans this like Iron Man workout thing with Rachel and Jose because she knew that Ryan would really like it. And she was like hoping that these kind of moments together would help them like let Ryan let loose and, and really enjoy their time. Obviously Ryan had fun. Like it's just like swinging from bars and doing loop de loops. And I don't know, like, I don't know what any of these, just a lot of upper body movements at play. Ugh. He, he truly had never seen him happier. <laughs> never seen him happier. He did have fun. Not because it was like a thing that he was doing with his wife, but more because that's just something that he likes to do, you know? So then Ryan meets up with his sister and I don't want to say her name because it's the same name as a very popular um, voice activated machine. So I'm just going to call her robot. (laughs) So Ryan meets up with his sister robot and he says that he's confused about the situation and he's not really used to feeling that way in his relationships. Now, He mentions Brett being messy. And just like he mentioned her freak out on the airplane, I was thinking, I don't really know if I want to believe him. But then we see footage from two days prior where Ryan did a little sneaky recording of Brett's uh, closet bathroom situation and baby, baby girl. Honey, sweetie, (laughs) yikes, towels everywhere. There was a, was there a plant in the sink? Like a house plant? What the hell? This looked worse than like a boy's dorm room. Like towels everywhere. Towels in the stand-up shower, on the floor, on the counter, in the closet, in between the door to the the bathroom floor and the closet no direction no organization like truly like a tornado had just run through it so I'm not going to take back what I said about it being very questionable Ryan mentioning her um, freakouts but if this the state of her bathroom and closet was the degree to which she freaked out on that plane, then I'm going to have to take some, some things back. And like, Brett, I really like you and I don't want to have to, but that bathroom, baby girl, woof. (laughs) So then Ryan starts talking about how he's telling robot about how, um, she had put, how Brett had put, uh, some clothes in the washer and the next day they were still in the washer and he's like, I bet if I go home, I, it's like I asked her if she was going to put the clothes, the wet clothes in the dryer. She said she would. But I bet when I go home, they're still going to be in there. I bet they are. <laughs> Don't make me agree with this man, please. 
please. Ryan says that like he kind of saw that mess happening in at the honeymoon, but then he figured they were living out of their hotel. They were just living through, you know, luggage. So he would let it go. But then it started up again and he's like real concerned. So <laughs> then robot says, okay, but if she looked like a Victoria's secret model, would you be this upset about her cleaning? And he tells on himself and says, I'd probably be cleaning her dishes behind her with a smile. So now we know, we know, and we knew, I think we knew that he was not attracted to gorgeous Brett, but now we know, now we know for sure that that's the issue. He doesn't want to bang her. He does not find her attractive. And it's so weird to me because she's so pretty. She's so pretty. And not even in that, like, girls telling girls that they're pretty way. Like, you know, straight girls telling straight girls that they're pretty. Like, she's genuinely, objectively attractive. Like, I see it. Guys should want to bang her. They Surely they do. And if they don't, they're wild. Because she's so hot. Anyway. Um, so, ugh, he's, he's disgusting to me. But, so, thank you, Alexa, for telling on your brother. She clearly does not like him. <laughs> and I think, oh, sorry, I, I said the name. Sorry, thank you, robot. You did, you did that. She tells on him all the time, and I love it, and I wish we had more robot. More, hashtag more robot on maths. Anyway, so, <clears throat> Ryan goes on to say that he doesn't really want to tell Brett stuff because he's not used to having communicating, his family's not big on communication, and in a confessional, Robot's like, yeah, so I kind of thought that, like, when we would talk that Ryan would have, like, progressed at all, matured in any sort of way. But it kind of seems like he hasn't transitioned into marriage at all. So then Ryan does his usual spiel about, you know, how she's so wound up and he's so chill and even keeled and he has to be even more chill to make up for her and then robot tells him like you shouldn't have to change like that but ryan's like well i haven't really been able to be open with her about like 90 percent of the things that i've wanted to be open with her about and robot says I think what you're trying to do is guard her heart, but really you're doing more damage than good, which is exactly what I've been saying is that he's been trying to be nice and like kind of skirt around the issue. And like, he's nice, but at some point your nice is the opposite of nice. <laughs> like at, at some point she's right. You're doing way more damage than good, but then not just being direct. He can tell her how he feels and be honest without being a jerk. Like, he can say it, what he's got to say to her, whatever it is, in a nice way. He just doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to care about, he doesn't care about her enough to find a way to be nice. So he just doesn't say anything at all under the guise of niceness. But it's not nice. Stop doing that, people. Stop doing it. Just tell people the truth. And if you really care about them, don't lie to them. And say that you lied to them because you cared Tell them the truth and find a way to do it in a way that honors and respects that person. Thank you. Anyway, so later, <laughs> we're back at home in the apartment. Ryan's white dog, Maisie, has just a face full of bright yellow, just bright yellow, big bird level fur. And we can find out. <laughs> 
that apparently Brett had earlier gotten a bunch of flowers, you know, to commemorate the passing of her dog. And we see footage of Maisie just hopping right on that table and getting a taste. Getting into those daisies, a sunflower, a daffodil. I don't know what she did. Some sort of yellow flower. Ooh, girl. (laughs) Fortunately, Brett had a good, good, um spirit about it i mean Maisie was more directly communicating that she did not want to be in this relationship with um brett either way better than her daddy did anyway so they sit down and god so brett starts his conversation or yeah no sorry ryan starts a conversation about how he hasn't been sleeping well because come to find out, he's been he moved out of their bedroom and has moved and has been sleeping on the couch. And he's like, well, you know, I just figured that I should transition to the couch because maybe that would be less harsh. Maybe you'd feel a little bit better about me being on the couch than me totally moving to the other bedroom. But then... He starts talking about how, like, it sucks to have all the uncertainties and doubt. And then Ryan says, you know, it's just not something that you can force. You can't pretend to try to make something happen, whether you want to or not. And then he goes on to say that, like, usually he's a motivated person, but, you know, his relation in his relationships, but, like, nothing has happened naturally and it sucks and it's not her fault. And Brett's just staying quiet, but in a confessional... She's like, he's just talking in circles and he just needs to spit it out. Like, if you don't want to be with me, don't be with me. In his own confessional, Ryan says that he basically just doesn't want to say anything because he knows that Brett has had, like, in her past relationships, been in situations where she's putting in all the effort and, you know, it's been trying to no avail and he just doesn't want to do that to her again. Okay, but that's exactly what you're going to do. So don't do it. Like, if you don't want to do it, then why are you doing exactly that? (laughs) So then Ryan goes back to how like he needs to sleep because you're just, no, I'm no, I'm good to nobody. I'm just so lousy if I don't get my, my sleep. And she's like, just go to the other bedroom. Like you don't have to sleep on the couch. It's some sort of sign of, you know, whatever. Like if you don't want to go to bed, go to bed, go to sleep, go to the bath, go to the other bedroom. And he's like, oh, great. So um, you want this comforter? Like, I think that you kind of like this one or like, oh, great. Okay. Well, gotta go. And <laughs> he's in a confessional Brett is like rightfully annoyed and she says listen if you just don't want to be in a relationship in this relationship like that's fine but you just need to say it because it's frustrating to not be told things thank you so god bless her I really I really feel for her and I feel for Bao I feel for myself I feel for Mirla I feel for hype (sighs) I'm just feeling a lot. Anyway, (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate that. Love you. Be back next week.